Welcome back to The Federal Drive with Tom Temin. Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Large numbers of veterans today have grown up with technology. They have smartphones. Now the Veterans Affairs Department and Apple are collaborating to bring health information to the health app on their iPhones. But that's just one small effort in a massive IT modernization going on at VA. Joining me in studio with details of this program, Bill James, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Development and Operations, and Drew Michaelgard, Acting Executive Director of Demand Management, both of the VA's Office of IT. Gentlemen, good to have you both in studio. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Tom. All right, let's start with the little picture here. What's going on with Apple and smartphones? Well, Tom, we've uh, built basically what a lot of people would think about like a, a wall outlet uh, for applications uh, that are built by uh, third-party developers. And uh, like any good construction of a wall outlet company, we go to uh, companies that want to plug into that wall outlet and see how they will work. And so... Uh, with details about our API wall outlet, uh, Drew can uh, expound. Thanks, Tom. So that's a, it's been a larger initiative, our API initiative. And the, the goal was, as, as uh, Bill mentioned, to be able to bring in external companies and, and leverage the, their application development. And API application programming interface. Yeah, and, and just jump in a little bit quick on what an API is. Um, it is an application programming interface. It's those instructions that are going to tell um, an external developer how to build their app according to the data that we're going to be passing to them. Um, and it's really helpful if we build those APIs in a standards-based way so that they could come in and plug into our outlet, or in, a, in case of healthcare, they can go and plug into Johns Hopkins, Mayo, Cleveland Clinic's outlet. And so that's what we did. We, we aligned our API strategy for this health API around what was going on in, in the commercial sector. One of our first announcements as a consumer that we were very excited about was was the Apple app ad. We made that announcement at Hims. But with the existence of the API, anyone could plug into that so-called wall outlet and get VA information for what purpose they might need it for. Yeah, that that's true. Um, there there are a number of APIs we have, everything from facilities to benefits to health. Um, but it's not quite the wild wild west where anybody could. We're we're very careful because this is veteran data that we're thoroughly vetting the entities that we're working with and making sure that the the, the veterans are are at the core of, of, of our strategy. And just if you would review the sources of data, I mean, say for a health app on whatever device or whatever platform, would that be from Vista? At the heart of it, it is Vista, our electronic healthcare record, but it's not directly from Vista. We stage that data in a database called our corporate data warehouse. So we can curate it, assemble it, and make sure it's good to go to handle the the hits that it's going to get from external um, uh, applications. So APIs, uh, I guess, is really the gateway to a much larger modernization going on at VA. Exactly right, Tom. Uh, not only are we are we using the gateways as, as a way to engage the private sector to use their money, their capital, their resources on behalf of the veterans, but those um, gateways also have some um, some performance thresholds, if you will. So behind that, we're putting things on the cloud where you have a very strong and aggressive uh, cloud uh, policy and effort inside the VA. As an example, we've moved 800,000 email boxes to the um, the cloud inside the VA. Um, everything is moving to the cloud as quickly as we can. And we're doing that um, aggressively, but carefully with regard to the security. So 
How do you have 800,000 email boxes and 300,000 employees? <laughs> we have a lot of employees who are here and, and then um, go away. For example, um, doctors, they're here at the VA for a certain period of time, and then they go back and they serve in other places, other hospitals, law trainees. There's a lot of uh, mailboxes in there that um, you know are dead but then come back to life. But the, the effort here is to get everything in the cloud so that we can spin up and spin down performance as needed. And when you do that and move all that apparatus and infrastructure to the cloud, what can be removed from VA's need to maintain and build and operate? Right. So um, as we move these applications to the cloud, um, that deprecates uh, the applications that are in our own data centers. But we're starting first with third-party data centers. For example, 70 of our Vistas, believe it or not, are actually operating in a DISA uh, data center in St. Louis. I believe anything. <laughs> and so we're going to be moving those uh, to our cloud. And that will, once they're in our cloud, allow us to do inter-system uh, testing and performance testing because there are going to be peers in the cloud. We're speaking with Bill James, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Development and Operations, and Drew Michaelgard, Acting Executive Director of Demand Management, both from the VA's Office of IT. And Drew, just briefly explain what the Director of Demand Management is. What so, are you managing the demand of? The, well, we there are a couple of areas. So under me is the cloud initiative, so our, our move to commercial cloud. But I also have engineering and architecture, so how we'll build solutions in the future, and then the intake of those re requirements and requests from our business lines. Right. Okay. So demand management is, in a way, the front door to IT in the VA. Now, talking about modernization, VA has a pretty big lift here that's been well-documented for a number of years. And the uh, appointment system and the intake system that caused so much trouble a couple of years ago. What are some of the big legacy systems that are coming next after your email? Well, um, we have lots of work to do. First of all, there's the um, the Vista to the Cerner migration. Um, that's a huge uh, amount of work that's in the press and in the Congress, and that's a, that's a big lift. It's a COTS product, as you know. Besides that, we have our finance systems are being modernized. Once again, we're moving to a COTS product. Uh, we have medical logistics systems that are being modernized, and that's a GOTS product. We're going to use one of the defense medical logistics systems uh, for that. And our HR systems are being modernized. We have a uh, program called HR Smart, and at the bottom of that is PeopleSoft, which is a commercially available um, GOTS product. So all of those are efforts to, rather than writing ourselves, let's put COTS before custom. It's um, buy before build. And that way we get services to our veterans much more quickly than if we have to write it ourselves. So is the modernization strategy encapsulating workloads and moving them to the cloud? Or if you have eight, your financial system is probably one of the old code types of systems. So these are not all created equal. Let's talk about the financial system. How do you modernize that? Or why don't you just go to a shared service? Well, uh, Shared service, FMBT, is, is the program that we call. It actually um, started out with the Department of Agriculture as a shared service, and um, we're moving that uh, very same code base into our cloud. So it is the exact same code that all the other federal governments are using, and we're putting it into our cloud so that we can have the performance enhancements we need. So This that's is exactly a commercial cloud? or it, Well, it's our VA enterprise uh, cloud. It is within the uh, FedGov you know, cloud environment, and but the provider Providers in there are the usual uh, Amazon and Azure are the two providers we have today inside our cloud. And I think the other effort that we're, we're really excited about, in addition to transitioning the old workflows to the COTS process, is building more apps in a native way. And one of those is VA.gov. 
which we launched about uh, right around November 8th. It was a follow-on for vets.gov. Yes, so indeed. Was, I remember that launch. Yeah, that was one of our first native apps. It was built on a, on a modern cloud platform using DevOps release practices so that team's releasing um, code multiple times a day. Um, they're, they're soliciting user feedback through human-centered design. And what we've found is since we went we launched, we've seen an increase of, of healthcare applications up 51%. You know, we've seen 20% increase in customer satisfaction and over 200% increase in utilization of our VA 311. Yeah, and Drew, that seems to point up something I've noticed, a trend in a few agencies. As agencies move to the cloud and move to shared services, an irony is that programming is coming back to agency staffs. And if you subtract out Vista, where there's always been VA programmers, it sounds like you have programmers doing other things now that probably 10 years ago you wouldn't have dreamed of having them do. Yeah, I would agree. And a lot of that's because of the digital service program, which really has attracted some of the, the best developers from the commercial sector, companies like Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft. And they're willing to come into the government for a two-year tour of duty and really share those best practices. No, nothing that we're doing is, is innovative. Um, we're adopting best practices that we saw in the in the commercial sector um, and then worked through financial sector and now is making its way into the government. Right. And so those digital services practices, now we're um, spreading across our IT organization, which is why I've taken this new position as the Deputy Assistant Secretary for DevOps, right? So it's all about the customer. Uh, it's all about the veteran. It's, and as you just heard, uh, the veteran engagement scores go up. Uh, and so this allows us to more quickly get the products and services that the veterans need to them as quickly as possible using those types of approaches. VA's FATARA score wasn't great. And so what's the framework under which you're managing all these efforts? Right. Um, the modernization score that uh, the VA got was a D. But uh, I think that uh, that doesn't take um, into account the, the fantastic modernization efforts that we have ongoing. Uh, for example, as I mentioned, the, the Cerner program, the finance modernization program, our, our PeopleSoft COTS program, and the use of GOTS for our medical logistics. So not to mention the cloud efforts with the uh, email is just one example of many. So uh, we have a, a, a broad uh, modernization strategy in place, engaged, and then, but we're not stopping at the IT. We're measuring our output and our success by veteran engagement. So it's all about the veteran. It's all about the customer. And um, so we want to get faster, better, cheaper, more performant, more reliable services to the veteran. And then we'll see the statistics like we saw earlier today um, show up across the board. And I want to pull on that Cerner thread for a minute because it's nowhere near anything operational. And in DOD, they've had a lot of trouble when they have gone operational in a few locations. So it strikes me as almost a 25-year effort since there's 50 years of effort going into Vista. What's the timeline realistically for Cerner being operational and then will APIs be available for Cerner-generated data such that it can be sent out to Apple devices or Android devices or, you know, vetted users of that data? Right. I think the schedule is well known, has been uh, vetted, and as recently, I think, as last week in the hearings. Um, IOC, one of the, some of the first instantiations of Cerner are, are happening in 2020. That's just a year away. So that's, that's uh, pretty close. But remember, in any large uh, transformational IT program, it's not really about the IT, it's about the change management. 
if you talk about any ERP program anywhere in the in the government or the private sector, it's all about the change management. And that's essentially what an EHR is. It's very similar to an ERP. Exactly right. So you have a lot of doctors, a lot of nurses that need to know how to do their job differently with a new tool. And and the private sector has um, done this before, and you see the very same things happening there. Um, with regard to the API, I let uh, uh, Drew talk about that. Yeah, it, absolutely. We've seen a, a shift in in the EHRs where the where they do open up a lot of those APIs because um, we're seeing that the the commercial developers really have an understanding of what their customers want, and opening up those APIs allows those those developers who aren't who don't work for one of the major EHRs to build on those APIs. So think of it as as walking into a house where where your drywall's up, your plumbing's up, but you you come in and you want to design a beautiful house for somebody. So so it's a it's a great initiative with Cerner. They're pushing forward on on using standard-based APIs and exposing them. And we're hoping that um, for those applications we bring them on, that we have a really tight strategy, well executed as we transition from Vista to Cerner. So in essence, it, the veteran would see no difference. We're speaking with Bill James, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Development and Operations, and Drew Michaelgard, Acting Executive Director of Demand Management of the VA's Office of IT. I mean, Vista in many ways is a development environment as much as an application. Is that also true of Cerner? No. You're exactly right. Vista is a development environment. That's why we have 130-something versions of Vista, because we have a lot of very smart people who want to customize it. Uh, but no, Cerner is a COTS product. Uh, just like every um, COTS product, we want to adopt it and and um, and make use of the, of the commercial platform as opposed to customizing it. Is Cerner a cloud-based or cloud-hosted yes. item? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And it will be for VA? Yes, sir. Well, then what does VA need to do to make Cerner work in the VA environment? If it's a commercial product, don't you just install it? Or is there a big data migration? I mean, what's the essential challenge to getting Cerner up and running? Um, well, I mean, it's a cost product. It turns on, but obviously the data. And, and make sure that um, – so if you have – Cerner in the West Coast, and you still have Vista on the East Coast, you need to make sure that the data is synchronized. And we have a well-developed data strategy to do exactly that. So we're going to um, clone and duplicate the data and put it in place you know, with Cerner. And just like today, we synchronize 134 different versions of Vista. And as we mentioned before, we have this corporate data warehouse, which is the doorway to the APIs for the, you know, the uh, iPhone uh, electronic healthcare records. So our ability and our, our understanding of how to synchronize this data is well honed, well understood after many, many years. And we're simply going to apply that very same synchronization strategy to yet another um, EHR platform. Sure, but eventually that synchronization will go away because you'll have one platform, That's one cloud-hosted thing, and all 100,000 or so users that are touching Cerner every day. It'll be like one big Google Docs That's setup. Right. That's right. How will it work where... One location still has Vista, one location has Cerner. Will that be a conflict or a problem? No, there won't be um, any problems. I mean, that's we're, we'll be testing it very comprehensively to make sure that there aren't any problems. But if you think about Cerner working in location X, that's not a whole lot different than uh, Vista number 133 working in location X with Vista sure. number 130 working in location Y. Um, synchronizing the data and making sure that the data is there when a, when a veteran walks in the door, 
that's what we're all about and that's what we're going to do. So I'm envisioning the number of Cerner instances going up, 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 and the number mm-hmm. of Vista instances going down, down, down that's, over time. That's right. Only there's one Cerner instance and there's multiple. So the Vista instances right. will degrade. and Cerner de- users right. rising right. and yes, Vista that's users. That's correct. Let's talk about cybersecurity for a minute because this underlies everything. And you're moving a lot to the cloud, which really gives a cybersecurity advantage to new applications you put there. Cerner is in its own cloud somewhere. And what are the cyber implications and what are you doing generally in cyber? Well, we have a comprehensive cyber program inside the VA. Our uh, deputy CIO, Dom Cassatt, was our former CISO, Chief Information Security Officer. We have a brand new uh, CISO, Paul Cunningham, right now. And um, they're working hand-in-hand with the um, EHRM program office to make sure that all of our risks are mitigated and we operate under a a NIST risk mitigation uh, uh, framework and risk management framework. And so, you know, we pay attention to this and work on this every single day. So there's really nothing new under the sun with regard to Cerner. Our processes and our our risk management frameworks are applied uh, regardless of the application. Drew, anything to add on cyber? Yeah, so so there's a couple things. Um, one is, while we're we're really focused on on the large applications, as as Bill mentioned, I'm the the entry for most people, the the door into OINT. And what we realized is we need to be able to build applications faster, but more securely. So we've shifted security and the conversation to the left, which means we have them on our calls in the beginning, understanding the risk, um, and then planning those. those there's this list of um, 300 and some controls that you need for FISMA, up to 300, 200 to 300. And so we're we're actively planning ahead of time uh, as we're building the apps to make sure that they're secure. And we also have another advantage of switching to commercial cloud. In these gov clouds, they, they're leveraging FedRAMP, which is the, the idea is that you can get an ATO at one entity for a specific use case, uh, say DOD, and then come over to VA. We can inherit a lot of those controls, and then we don't have to go through the whole process of proving those 300 out. So that that puts that shifts us. You know, so so we bring security in earlier, but we're also more secure from the beginning because the the tools that we're using are all inheriting these 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 great controls from other agencies, which is going to allow us to deliver faster and more secure products. And how does the PIV card fit in this new architecture in this new world you're building? Well, so so. From a micro level, SSOE is usually um, PIV cards, but we think of, two, of it actually two ways, single sign-on, external for our veterans, and then internal. So for a veteran, what we're trying to do is give them commercial-grade credentialing options so they can come in and use one of a number of options, um, and whichever one they use, it's going to author- authenticate them and then authorize them to specific parts of an app. Yeah, because you have much more exacting authentication requirements than, say, the park service that's renting sure. a cabin to somebody. They don't really care who it is. Yes. No, no, that's a perfect example. If I'm renting a cabin, they'll probably accept, like, my Gmail. I, I could use Gmail right. to sign in. We have a higher level where getting your health records is going to ha- – we're going to want to make sure that you are uh, who you say you are. Sure. And whatever happened to Blue Button? So great question. Um, and, and we learned this as we were doing research around what, what our veterans wanted. Veterans used to come in the door with a stack of and, and request their medical records on paper. We'd send them on their way. They'd go to the physicians. When we were talking to physicians, they said, most of our physicians are co- or most of our patients are coming in and showing us a tablet or an iPhone where they're logging into my healthy vet or another patient portal. 
And so, so the natural extent of, of Blue Button, I actually worked on that initiative, was to, instead of have a portal for them to sign into, have them to download that information right on their, on their cell phone. And so we were talking about that API um, for health. And what it does is it's a direct connection between their iPhone and the VA servers. So it doesn't touch any other servers. It doesn't touch Apple servers in between. They download that data on their iPhone, and they're able to show it to their physician. So this is just an evolutionary step in that process of, of, of the legal obligation to give veterans their data as, as fast as possible in an effective way for them to consume it. We're speaking with Drew Michael Gard, Acting Executive Director of Demand Management, and Bill James, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Demand development and operations of the VA's Office of IT. And when it comes to cybersecurity or new applications like Cerner or even a new financial application, I mean, the users, as well as the veterans' customers, have got to be part of the equation. And in this new DevOps era, how do you incorporate their thinking before you launch code or say this is the system of record? I mean, how do you bring in your users and constituencies so that, you know, it's going to work with them? Right. Like cybersecurity can impose a pretty tough regime on doctors and they may not like it. That's right. Well, we start, the, the interesting thing about DevOps is you start with the user, right? And, and rather than getting a proxy for the user, you start with the real user and you do human-centered design. And what is your life like? What's a use case, you know, a mile in your moccasins? How does that work in your job on every single day? And how can we serve your needs? So we start there. That's where you start baking in the security uh, requirements and the needs. And, you know, will we have some type of a delay? If you're in, in the operating room, you can't afford a delay. How can we manage your workflow in a way that serves your mission and, and still have a security that meets the needs of the, of the cyber domain? And I think, too, the way that um, we try and, and work with our business partners is, is we used to have this idea that you would come in, give us a, a two-inch stack of requirements, and you, you'd walk out two years later with a Maserati. But now our idea is the way we build software, you come in and we're going we're gonna to understand what you need and we're going to get you a tricycle. And then we're going to upgrade that to a bike and then to a Harley. And then we're going to get you into the car that you need two years down the road. That may not be the same one as that, that two-inch sec because a stack of papers because your needs have changed over time. But what we're delivering to you is the, the, the most critical features for them to execute their business need. So we've gone from three wheels to two wheels to four wheels, but the main thing is they're round. Yes. When it yes. comes to the end of the whole and process. And moving forward. And we've been talking about modernization of some of the VA's own internal back office systems like finance and logistics and healthcare delivery. What about benefits? VBA. Yes. Yeah, so VBA was actually one of the first APIs that we released. There is a lot of paper process out there between when a, when a veteran submits a claim working with one of our VSOs until we're able to intake it. So our goal is to reduce those half a million claims a year, 65% were taken in by paper, down a much smaller number, provide a better benefit for, for our veterans. And as we unlock more of these APIs, so we've unlocked four to date, um, what we hope to see is increased security, decreased cost because we have less connections to our backend systems, but we'll have a better idea on what developers and what our veterans want to build for all of our business lines. It will take a change within OINT around the way that we build, but we do see like tangible gains now, good metrics behind them, and then we're really excited for what our business lines are going to challenge with in the future. And I guess a final question is, all of these types of efforts require not just funding continuity, but also managerial attention continuity. So are you guys going to stick around? And do you feel that the uppers at VA, the high-level executives, do they have your back? And do you feel like you're going to be able to continue? Abs- absolutely, uh, Tom. Uh, we have a, a new CIO, Jim Jaffer, and uh, we're excited to have 
him on board. We just ha- finished a strategic uh, offsite with him and the entire um, senior executive staff. And some of the comments I heard there were, you know, we are this environment, this working environment is productive and constructive, and we're really looking forward to moving ahead. So, you know, I'm very, very optimistic that uh, that we're going to have this management team in place working hard for the veteran. Yeah, and, and we see strong support from the Hill. Put the, you know, they want us to succeed across a number of areas. We have great leadership at the top all the way down. They, they come to us and say, how can we make this better? What roadblocks? How are we out of, uh, you know, what do we need to improve around our process to, to really support delivering those functions? And at a, at a very micro level on my teams, we've been able to recruit amazing talent. We just brought in four new developers in the last 30 days that, were, that, that we stole from commercial companies. How really, old are they? They're, uh, most of them are in their 20s to 30s. So you've, you're bringing in millennials. We are. We've got a lot of millennials. Uh, the dress code's changing. The culture's changing. Uh, I couldn't imagine a better place to be. I've never had so much support from, from hire and, and pushing. Um, there's no excuse for us not to succeed. Drew Michael Gard is Acting Executive Director of Demand Management at the VA's Office of IT. And Bill James is Deputy Assistant Secretary for Development and Operations there. I'm Tom Temin, Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network.